Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Hannah Lewin. Hannah is a qualified PT and the founder of Mind Plus Motion, an online tool that includes movement to help people move toward their recovery from disordered relationships with exercise and food. Hannah joins us today to discuss how to reframe your relationship with exercise and rebuild a connection with your body. Hello, Hannah. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very, very well. Thank you very much for having me. Good. for a little while <laughs> <laughs> yeah. life gets in the way doesn't it? it's very nice to have two hunters how confusing yeah for sure the best name <laughs> absolutely um I'm very excited to speak to you today um mostly because kind of what we're talking about is something that I'm kind of working through myself at the moment um so it's, it feels like something you know that is going to be really interesting to talk about and I'll probably have a thousand questions for you so sorry if this is just a podcast where I just ask you everything that I want to know <laughs> um but if we start with mind plus motion um so if yeah. people haven't heard of mind plus motion do you mind kind of explaining what it is and the goals behind it for you I would love to so <laughs> My motion is essentially a, well, it started it as a solution. So obviously I was working with um, clients with with, um, disordered eating for many, many years. And because there wasn't that much around in terms of in-person help that was freely available, my waiting list was becoming sort of longer and longer to the point where I couldn't really help. You know, I wanted to help everybody, but of course I couldn't. And what I was finding that there wasn't anything for people who wanted to include movement in a positive way within their recovery. So having gone through eating disorder recovery myself, um, there didn't seem to be anything that was, you know, right. My advice and I guess advice of my clients was if you go start to go through you know, sort of structured eating disorder recovery, exercise is blanket stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely appropriate for some people absolutely but for many it wasn't and what I was finding or my clients were sort of coming to me for to sort of saying well I've sort of healed my sort of you know getting towards healing my relationship with diet or looking at sort of nutrition and food in a different way but this exercise thing is now worse than it was before or no different Mm. so exercise had perhaps gone had become a different part of the disorder because it hadn't been addressed it's sort of been sort of put in a box and we'll we'll deal with that another time so that's kind of what I was doing in my practice in my in-person practice and then of course um there were people from all over the world all over the country who were getting in contact and I you know I I just couldn't help everybody so mind plus motion effectively is an online program for those who are looking to include exercise within their eating disorder journey in a positive way or for those who maybe don't have a sort of um, diagnosed eating disorder, but maybe just want to kind of look at their relationship with, with exercise. Um, and also it can be used as a tool to sort of bring back a bit of connection to the body mm. um, with, with mind, which is, yeah, an, another way it, it can be used. So it's something that was years and years in the making and it really is, um, yeah, a baby of mine. <laughs> now it's all real and alive. 
Yeah, it's all out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it sounds incredible. I think you're so right in terms of the fact that um, kind of, you know, going through eating disorder recovery or if you have a disordered relationship with exercise or food, it, it is often the food that I think is more at the forefront. And I think it, it tends to be because I don't I feel like there's not really a sort of general consensus nowadays about how we should be around exercise it's really kind of a blurred line um I think we've had more conversations about food you know there's a general kind of agreement that dieting maybe isn't the best thing to do but in terms of exercise it doesn't feel like there's a right or wrong and I think that's because everybody is different but I think that's why it makes it so difficult in recovery because you're like well I could exercise seven days a week if I wanted to so it's, I think, you know, having this to really work out what your relationship with exercise is really important. Absolutely. And, and, and also, you know, the, the thing with, with mind crush motion is as well, why I wanted to include it. Um, it's not just about day-to-day exercise. What I want people to use mind crush motion for, and also why I kind of, you know, particularly um, in my own practice, we were looking at future-proofing the body and using it for a bit of rehab and a bit of strengthening, particularly for my clients who had very low BMI, who were sort of at risk of osteoporosis, for example. Um, It can actually be highly beneficial to make sure that we we are including some strengthening, we are including um, some some exercises that support the the body and, and its framework, rather than just obviously, we don't want to look at sort of caloric or energy expenditure at all. We want to put it more towards, you know, healing, rehabbing almost. So there's that element, I, I feel this is you know, based on my own experiences and also from what clients have told me. But when I was going through NHS recovery, there was no sort of future proofing of, of the body or, or anything like that. It was, um, you know, very focused on, um, on, you know, the here and now almost with no regard to the future or sort of looking at the physical rehab. Yes, a mental rehab. And of course, that's so important, but the two are so in- interconnected. And it was always a very frustrating um, you know, it always a very frustrating things for me because I had been a runner since school. I run all the time. I really do sort of use it as, you know, almost like a mental headspace. And to have that taken away, actually, to be honest, put me on a, I feel a worse path to, mm. toward recovery. It certainly took me longer, I think, had I not been had I not been given the tools perhaps to use it in a healthy way or just be allowed to continue what I was doing, you know, mm. I do often feel that patient advocacy is, almost, is is sometimes quite ignored and you are sort of given a path. And that that's right, because of course there are professionals and I certainly don't claim to be, you know, taking away from their brilliant work. But my fresh, my, my experience and experience of my clients was that sometimes patients requests um, are ignored and sometimes that's right but often I do feel the best and knows yourself the best is yourself mm-hmm. yeah and um I think I had a similar experience in my recovery you know years ago in terms of exercise was just taken from me and mm-hmm. you know I think you know what you were saying before sometimes that's right sometimes it's not and I think whether or not it's right or not there has to be sort of when that person is ready for it to be reintroduced, you have to support them with that because now 10 years down the line, I'm still in a place where, you know, I don't know how to be around exercise because I wasn't supported with that. Um, And that was kind of a question I had for you was you were saying about um, people maybe struggle with osteoporosis and having that strengthening and, you know, your running is something that you like supports your mental health. 
I I guess my question would be how do you sort of shift that frame to from it being about calories and exercise that compulsion to I'm doing this to support my mental health because I think I personally sometimes will be like I'm gonna go for a walk just because I, I feel stressed but actually I'm going for a walk because of that compulsion to want to exercise mm-hmm. the the, the short answer is that it takes time it takes mm-hmm. a long time and I think we have to be really clear and upfront about that you know I have been in reco- I mean I'm 36 now I think I've been in recovery for nearly 20 well maybe about 15 years there are still days that I'm like oh like at the weekend I even posted about it yesterday like I had a bit of a oh, yesterday um what, what, what I try and do and how I try and work with, with clients from a professional point of view is we look to shift the focus of what that exercise is going to achieve. So it may be um, that we look at improving someone's, I don't know, someone's deadlift, for example. So we're trying to sort of get their deadlift heavier or we're trying to improve their kettlebell swing or their squat or something like that. So we have a tangible way of measuring pro- progress because again, this is purely on my own experience, we all know the, the correlation between sort of metrics when we're in, we're in the grips of, of disorder, don't we? So what we need to try and do is put that into a different way. Um, so like I say, we sort of, we can look at improving the way that you live <laughs> or we can look at improving someone's cardiovascular fitness. We can look at improving someone's flexibility. Um, we just try to shift it away and all my sessions are always about having fun, having people, you know, I've honestly spent hours, probably too often laughing with clients and having fun and creating the safest of spaces. Um, I used to call all my clients, my girls, I'm very like protective of <laughs> but effectively it's just about changing the focus of what the that exercise is actually going to achieve. And it takes time. It really, really does. And I'm not saying it happens overnight because it certainly doesn't, but It's just kind of for people to feel good about themselves, for them to understand that their body is so much capable of more than they, of more than they think. And when somebody can finally hit a number or a deadlift or a squat that they've never thought they would be able to, it's just magic. And you do see almost sort of like a realization, like a light, I call it light bulb moment where someone realizes their body is so much more than a disorder and they can exist beyond their disorder and it's just a lovely thing to a lovely thing to see but essentially it takes time and it's about changing the focus of that exercise narrative Mm. really yeah I love what you were just saying about the deadlift because I used to power lift um Ah. and that was kind of the reason I started powerlifting was because I you know thought that well and I don't don't know now looking back I don't know whether this was a good shift in my mind because it was kind of rather than the eating disorder I was sort of I was like I need to eat so they can get stronger um and for a while it worked but it was also kind of like a plaster so that yeah. wasn't the best that's a really interesting thing is you, you know obviously that, that thing about the plaster is that this is an ongoing process so mm. to be clear mind plus motion is not the solution I would hope it's a recovery tool and we're very yeah. very clear about that on the website and across all of our socials that it's to be used as a tool to either aid or you know kind of begin that recovery journey but the, the journey takes a long time and people respond very differently. Like some, the, the mind plus motion is, is actually a six week um, sort of like method, if you like, or, or program that we can talk about. Um, but not for a second do I expect people to be ding and six weeks later I'm cured. It doesn't work like that. So it's just, it's designed to just be used as on an ongoing as and when people want it. And I think what I said about um, the plaster earlier, I also think it was done with little support. 
Mm. And, you know, something else I wanted to talk to you about is in terms of sort of like a PT or a coach, because I did have a coach when I was powerlifting, but it wasn't a coach I felt that I could talk to about my past very knew about my past but I would never kind of talk about the here and now and how I was feeling um so I mean I guess my kind of question is how important do you think it is to have kind of a personal trainer or a coach that has knowledge of an eating disorder or that you can kind of talk to about those things it's absolutely key and there's no getting away from that it's essential in, in my opinion I do also understand that that comes with financial element or a financial consideration, of course. So is, you know, I, I really feel that this for this specific instance, when you are sort of looking to improve your relationship with exercise, you are looking to you know make positive steps towards recovery. You absolutely need support systems in, in place. That's why there's professional eating disorder help um, out there, because frankly, we, we can't do it alone and, and we mustn't feel that that's a failing. And I think that's something I've had to learn. Um, that, you know, needing support or needing help isn't, isn't a failing. It's absolutely essential and it is not to be ashamed or, you know, or to, to feel like it's, it's a bad thing. Um, I do think it's essential. I think it's, I, I see far too much of it from coaches who claim they've sort of worked with people with eating disorders before, but we'll just weigh you once a week or we'll just do a bit of tracking. And you're like, no, it doesn't, no, <laughs> not at all. And I, I've come across it. It's terrifying. I've had clients come to me who've told their PTs that they have, um, they've had an eating disorder and they just assume that I don't think they really understand what that means and they're sort of putting things that are very triggering in place so absolutely essential that you have someone who has genuine working experience they haven't just read up online or read an article about it it's got to be got to be properly working experience to avoid things like triggering words triggering behaviors um and really ensuring that you're creating that that safe space where a client can have an honest open dialogue one of my very first questions i would ask any client when they walked in that day was how are they and not you know just to be polite it was a very loaded question and i think over the times my, my clients got to know that and me asking them how were they was almost like a warm-up you know, because if they came in, they were having a bad mental health day or they were having a bad image day, then the program would change on the spot. It just, it would have to. So yeah, I, I wish everybody could have, you know, their own sort of path norm advocate, but maybe that's what mindfulness motion is for. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think it's it's important really that everyone has has that support. And I know I just joked about it, but essentially that's kind of why I did want to create mindfulness motion. Mm. So people would have, the option to have that support because it is expensive you know there's no getting away from it particularly in this economy um you know having a, a coach is a considerable investment mm-hmm. um particularly with the amount of time per week you probably need that that check-in and that help yeah yeah absolutely and in terms of kind of coaches and pts what I mean you said kind of the working experience but I guess I'm just thinking if somebody's listening and they're thinking well you know I've got to have my first client with experience like at some point where kind of could people start to look for that do you think it's something that everybody should have or do you think it's kind of something that particularly people should have I think all clients should have sorry all PTs should have an awareness of it yes Mm -hmm. sadly it is not included within there's a lot of focus on you know aesthetic 
for my own training, a lot of focus on aesthetics, a lot of focus on, you know, things like fat loss and stuff when, as PTs are trained, but there is the odd bit of, um, uh, what would we call it sort of like client safety so kind of you know le- like learning about the triggering signs but it's you know it, it's like a page it's really not that it's really not carefully done or done with any um it's not at the forefront of any PTO training that I've done I think that is starting to change um there's a couple of really cool um organizations one's called worked out so it's worked then ed out and they are starting to do a lot of advocacy for um eating disorder training of clients sorry of, of pts it's really really cool um cool couple of women that are doing that um but i do think it's it's vital that people understand that when a client comes to you and says they have an eating disorder you've got to change it up you've got to be aware of it you've got to create that space you've got to avoid triggers things that you might not even consider in your normal day are that could be triggering so really important and and if you haven't got the experience then you have got to say you've got to say I'm this isn't for me you know I for example would never take on an Olympic weightlifting client or I would never take on, I don't know, a jockey for horse riding. That's not my vibe. You know, it's completely outside my scope of practice. So I do think it's important that, that, that PTs say this, I'm not, this isn't for me, or I, I, I'm not the best person to help you. And to understand that's not a failing, actually, it's a really responsible, mm. correct thing to do. It's really important. I don't think enough people do it, frankly. Yeah. I think they just underestimate the impact um, that their words and their training can have sometimes. Mm. Uh, yeah I think you're so right that you know it's not a failure I had the, a similar experience I actually reached out to a, um, a PT previously um, and I was kind of going through a bad patch and I, all I wanted to do was to lose weight and then they had a form and on it said do you have history of an eating disorder and I, I ticked yes um, and he got back to me and said you know I'm, I'm really sorry but I won't be able to work with you because of your history because it's not something that I'm trained in and at the time I was like it's a bit rude like you know not wanting to work with me but actually like I was so grateful because that I think could have been like a really detrimental thing for me to go down and kind of building up a lot of lies um it could have all built up and kind of led me down a really bad path so actually you know it was a really good stop and it made me reflect as well as to actually you know why am I reaching out for a coach why am I going for this particular Mm. person but something I wanted to ask you as well was um you mentioned kind of like um triggering language and if someone's having a bad body image day or something when they come you know the plan would change um in terms of like a bad body image day because there like specific things that you would do kind of to to navigate that around absolutely absolutely so some if and, and obviously this, this came with getting to know my clients you mm-hmm. know some of my clients I work with for upwards of five years you know so we were together a long time and I knew pretty much them very well but effectively if someone's coming in with a bad body image day the first thing and you know I'm, I'm hoping at this point we've done you know maybe one or two sessions together but maybe we haven't um we need to find something that they feel good doing so for example if they struggle with I don't know if they struggle with push-ups we're not doing them that day do you know what I mean if, but if they may like love deadlifting so that is what we're doing all session or for the majority of it so it's just finding things that make people feel good and the reason I do that is because they can then still keep that connection with their body. So they're like, huh, my body can actually do this. I'm doing this really well. And it just kind of makes them feel 
it, it keeps that reminder that their body is doing well and is capable rather than, oh my God, I can't, I'm doing, I can't do push-ups. I can't do them. I can't do them. And it just kind of um, puts people in that sort of negative, it will just perpetuate that, that spiral. So that's kind of what I would do with, with clients is find things that make them good and that make them feel good. Sorry. Um, but make them sort of, you know, you sort of ramp their body confidence up. Um, and that's kind of what I tried to do with mind plus motion as well. With regard to all the exercises or the movements that we do, every single one has about three versions. I mean, I was exhausted filming it all, but everyone has a version that, you know, a high impact, a lower impact or, you know, weighted or non-weighted version. And that's specifically so people can find their level that makes them feel good and makes them feel capable and in control. Not like they're watching, you know, someone on the screen that I think I'll never, ever be able to do that the last thing I ever wanted clients who do mind plus motion or when I was working in person with clients is to think I want to look like her or I want to be like her because I didn't want that at all I didn't want it to be about me or the coach I want it to be specifically about about the client and that's kind of how it was in sessions too yeah. I think that sounds like a brilliant idea especially having all the different um levels of kind of variation mm. because I know you know especially during lockdown I went on particular websites and it was always very kind of high intensity and there was a certain aesthetic mm. to it and it, it did just make me feel even worse because I didn't look like the people on there in terms of those intensities so again this is just a question that's come into my head from my personal experience the kind of exercise I've always done has always been you know very heavy weights or very intense so kind of going through the program would you advise me to do like a lower intensity to sort of find out where I am because that you know the thought of that sounds quite uncomfortable absolutely so all throughout the so the, the, it's meant interesting you say about being uncomfortable the very first mind plus motion session is probably uncomfortable and is kind of designed to be so mm -hmm. the first session is about establishing your start point or kind of establishing where you are right now and that will be different for every single person so it is just that first kind of 45 half an hour minute we, we spend together in that session it's just about literally a lot of it's just laying down and just sitting with yourself and kind of just working out what's going on and it's super uncomfortable even when I was filming it I was a bit like huh this is a lot <laughs> And from there, you will then be able to kind of work out over the sort of six weeks that we have together, where you are, where you want to be. And do you know what? That will change during the week. Like there's about two or three sessions per week. Some weeks there's sometimes some sessions there's four, depending on whether we do a stretch session or a relaxing session as well. Um, and that will change. So on Monday, you might feel great. Wednesday, you might have slept badly or you got work stress or whatever. So it's really important that when we're thinking about sort of where we are it's not where we are on Monday might be completely different to Friday and that certainly is, is the case for me even now with, with my workouts um so it's just about sort of finding your level understanding that sometimes lower intensity and you know recovery is as important as the higher intensity stuff it really really is it can have so many myriad like myriad of benefits to kind of work in that lower intensity and we talk about that a lot in 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 the sessions so we kind of talk about why we're doing things so I don't ever just stand there and I don't know do a star jump there's always a reason and a method behind everything everything that we're doing but I do understand that if you're used to kind of that very high intensity um sort of work that doing things at a lower intensity is is worrying and potentially let's be frank quite triggering 
Mm. And I'm always very conscious or was in the filming to say what we're doing right now is enough because that was always my big thing. I would always, if my instructor was doing 20 squats, I would do 25. Like you always have to try and do that extra bit, right? So that's kind of what we try to get you away from in Mind Plus Motion is just, it's that acceptance. It's that being okay with what we're doing and knowing that it's enough. I mean, giving you that validation that, that it's enough. And it, mm. you know, again, it's not an overnight process. That's why we have six <laughs> weeks. Yeah. I think um, that's sort of not enough. That is just, I feel like it's just bread in gym culture. You know, it's always oh, like yeah. one more rep or, you know, every session yeah. you need to one be putting, more, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, one, putting more weight onto the bar and stuff like that. So I think that's why it then feels so uncomfortable to to do something that's, you know, of a less intensity and also to say, this is actually enough for me today and this this yeah. is okay. Another question I had was sort of, so if somebody's gone through recovery, do you think that they can return to the same exercise that they used to do? Or do you think they kind of need to find something brand new? No, not at all. I think they can absolutely do what they what they used to do if it's something that they enjoy. Um, I or you know, there's obviously there's there's caveats to that, of course. Mm. Um, and you know, if someone was running, for example, thirty miles a day, I would not advise that. So there's obviously caveats within you know scope of professional and and safe practice, of course. But if someone enjoys weightlifting, if someone enjoys running, if someone enjoys cycling, there is no reason they can't return to that or they shouldn't return to that as well post-recovery. Um, we just have to obviously change the focus and make sure that they're doing it in a, a safe, a safer way, as safe as we can. Um, but yeah, there's no reason. And this is this is the whole point, right? This is the whole point of, of us trying to keep um, some, you know, some recognition of, of someone's life prior to to recovery or you know we don't want to kind of change everything because change is hugely overwhelming um and yeah again it just comes down to this very very difficult gray area which is why i completely understand why this kind of thing hasn't been supported more is that some people will respond really well some people won't some people it's not safe for them to to return to so there's a huge huge myriad of of caveats that we could include within that but yeah Hmm. I think that's the problem, isn't it? I think it is so broad. <laughs> and also... It really is. I think also, I don't know, I'm just trying to think about, you know, my experiences. And it's kind of like I was saying earlier in that if I say to somebody, you know, I have a difficult relationship with exercise or whatever, they're like, no, you don't. Like, you go to the gym like you love to cycle you're a very active person how's that a difficult relationship and it's almost like because exercise is seen as just something that is so brilliant so amazing so how could you possibly have a difficult relationship with it absolutely no you're right and I think the other thing that I I'm also careful whenever I sort of post about the benefits like non-aesthetic exercise I'm always very careful to say like this isn't a magic medicine like running for example, we all, you know, there's this big campaign, isn't it, about how exercise is so good for your mental health. But actually, it isn't a magic medicine. Like it just, it just isn't. And I think you're 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 absolutely right. Like exercise and it's just put on this absolute pedestal, but it shouldn't be at the expense of additional health. So additional help or instead of health. So if you absolutely need to have professional mental health, um, you know, sessions, 
you should do that. You should have, you should, you shouldn't feel ashamed to take anti-anxiety medication or, you know, depressive medication. Going for a run doesn't, for example, working out doesn't stop these things. It's so important that, you know, medical intervention and medical help is sought and also you know, kept on with mm-hmm. and I really think this whole yeah you're, you're absolutely right it's something I rant about a lot actually that I feel like yeah I feel like people just prescribe running and prescribe exercise when actually the root cause is not ever addressed it's just kind of covered mm-hmm. up I guess it's really annoying <laughs> yeah it's it's funny um and she won't mind me saying this but my mum always says she's a big walker she absolutely loves walking she's like they should prescribe walking for mental health and I'm like I mean <laughs> yes great. yeah mum it's great to get outdoors and get some fresh air but equally it's it's not quite um yeah absolutely but it also it's this thing is about isn't it about that what that works for her that's great yeah. it's brilliant that your mum has found something that she loves to do um other people you know let's be honest when for those who, who suffer with depression things it, it may not be feasible to leave the house some days and that if you know and then you have this whole thing about people feeling like they're failing when they they just aren't they just don't have the, the capability and there's nothing nothing at all wrong with that nothing it's just kind of what that person needs to go through and it's again this just very gray area of what everyone's experiences are completely different and they should be accounted for but yeah it's a very dangerous area when we start to prescribe exercise for you know for mental health issues mm. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't be obviously I'm a big advocate for it, it can't yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't help <laughs> of course but it, yeah, there are lots of again lots and lots and lots of considerations yeah but I think it's it's like you were saying earlier that gray area um mm that is the thing because I think we do it so much with you know you can see it in society in in terms of diet like you know fruit and vegetables and then people kind of go to the opposite end of the scale with like clean eating or you know they might develop mm-hmm. orthorexia or something like that mm-hmm. um and I, I feel like that's a, that's a similar sort of thing people would look at that and be like oh that's that's so healthy and it's so good that you you know have such a great diet when actually I would say that you know is not very healthy because it's it's so black and white and I think it's the same with exercise we're kind of on the same path of that like black and white all or nothing um I think people very much kind of struggle to sit in the middle of I mean I don't know maybe I'm talking about this from the perspective of myself because it's you know I'm currently trying to work in that shade of grey and actually you know do something that um I actually I think I said this on the last podcast but I started skateboarding because it's like something I can do socially with my friends mm. uh, but I'm outdoors and it's not it's not got the compulsion of going to the gym um, and it's actually because I didn't want to stop going to the gym it's actually helped in the gym because now I'm kind of taking more time to speak to my friends in the gym and actually like you were saying earlier thinking what what do I want to do today what am I going to enjoy rather than being like I've got this set workout and I've got to get through this in an hour and I can't speak to anyone until it's done. Mm. yeah no exactly so I think anything that kind of removes that compulsion and kind of brings that joy back is you know absolutely brilliant and that's kind of really where we want to take things and this is where I think it's so important that patients do have some sort of say in in their Mm. own treatment because yeah otherwise how do you ever learn that how you know you need to be given the space and the freedom to work these things out for yourself otherwise you know like you say you just kind of stay in this cycle you stay in this like compulsive cycle you don't 
really experience the true joy of, of movement. And I absolutely think that, you know, movement is, is a privilege and to be able to move because you want to is, or because you fancy it is, is a huge, huge privilege. Um, so yeah, obviously it can be used in a, in, in a different way, in a, in a, in a you know, negative way for, for our body, but yeah it's very important that we can we're able to give them the space and the freedom to find the joy and maybe maybe we don't find that straight away but we mm. won't know unless we try maybe a myriad of things I think what you were saying about connecting to your body I think that it's something in eating disorder recovery is I don't know I feel like it's not something that is really in treatment thought about as much or as as important as it is um but I know for myself you know that that disconnect to not only kind of you know movement but feeling that hunger feeling the fullness or knowing what your body needs um and you were saying earlier which was something I wanted to pick back up on um was kind of you know if on a Monday you might feel really wide awake but on a Thursday you might be super tired so do you have any advice for people kind of learning to tune more into their body so that kind of or kind of accepting what's going on to tune in. You know, if you are tired, you're maybe not going to do what you set out to do initially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with regard to kind of you know, feeling tired, that's that's the main thing. I would always just suggest kind of like, I would suggest every single workout you do starts at like a four out of 10, because frankly, you need time to kind of, if your body to warm up, like, you know, mentally and physically. Um, so I would just suggest not necessarily going with like a loose plan it depends obviously what you're doing like if you're going to the gym to lift weights for example don't go straight to your normal weight take a couple of kilos back and just see kind of where you're at so reduce the intent you can still do the same planned workout you just need to reduce the intensity a little bit so maybe you dial back on your weights or you dial back on your pace if you're running or you dial back on the distance you were going to run and you may feel that you know 10-15 minutes you're you're kind of here you know and you're up and you're up for it and you're actually fine um if you are that's kind of like normal everyday tiredness that you know I seem to wake up with every single day but if you're kind of extremely tired I'm talking like you've had kind of less than six hours sleep for example you've had a particularly stressful time or there's other stuff that's that's going on or you have kind of um injury or anything like that you gotta stop it you just gotta just maybe you go for a walk maybe you do something else or you just accept and that's the really hard thing to do isn't it accepting that we're doing the right thing but keeping front and center that you're about to make a really really good decision for your body and yourself by not doing the thing you were going to do and understanding that that decision you make now is actually going to allow you to do it in the future does that make sense rather than kind of like injuring yourself further or making yourself more and more tired not allowing that that recovery um I went for a long run yesterday I was going to go for a gym to gym this morning I did not go instead I went and just had a stretch for half an hour and I'm so glad I did because now I'll be okay to go to do something later in the week so it's really important that we don't beat ourselves up rather we change the narrative of that decision and it's more empowering that way so you become more in control of it because that's the whole thing about you know eds isn't it you know when we have we feel like we're losing control so we can still be in control but in a positive way so we choose to rest to recover to allow us to do more things in the future but with with tiredness the general rule is you reduce the intensity or you shift that over to another day mm. best thing i can suggest <laughs> yeah and i think that's a a really good point and i 
kind of was just reflecting on, on Thursday I was so tired I felt absolutely exhausted I really wanted to go to the gym because I'd worked from home all day and I hadn't seen anybody and I thought and I actually and in my mind this didn't make sense but I went for a bike ride beforehand and it woke me up so much and then I got Mm. to the gym and I felt like I had so much energy and I was ready to go and then in the back of my head I thought was I being compulsive actually I was just trying to like reawaken myself from sitting in front of the laptop all day but I think that's the thing I find the most difficult is knowing like what's actually I'm trying to do for a positive and what I'm trying to do to be compulsive yeah absolutely and I think that and and that's the thing is that this is where we need the choice and this is where patients and and we need to be involved Mm. or like kind of masters of our own own recovery we need to be given the freedom to just you know work these things through for ourselves that's why I always say there's no need to change what you were going to do you can still do it but maybe you go in with you just sort of lower your expectations slightly and you just lower the intensity like you found then you're like huh I can Mm. actually do it but had you actually gone straight into it you know had you actually got like literally walked from your laptop and got straight into the gym you may have had a very different experience so it is important just to kind of allow that sort of mental time to transition and I would actually suggest anyone does that anyway like it's very difficult to go from doing one thing to Mm. another that's why there's always a warm-up in in any or should be a warm-up in any in any workout but yeah yeah it's a really interesting point and we just have to our bodies are so clever like you know <laughs> they know what we need and we often I think we find that we the whole thing about retuning to your body is not just a physical one it's a mental one too and it's mm. learning to trust your body again a huge thing huge 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 thing for us all to, to learn mm. yeah I think that trust element I think that's mm. the thing isn't it it's especially you know from recovering from an eating disorder I think the eating disorder from my personal experience sort of tricked me into I'm going to show you the ropes because we can't you can't trust yourself so to then be in a situation where you know your, your typical response would be exercising because that's what the eater sort of wants to then say no that's coming from myself that that's an uncomfortable place but I think you have to practice that in order to move forward and like you said earlier that that is uncomfortable um but I also think you know if you are, you know, working um, with a therapist or somebody through eating disorder recovery, actually making the most of those uncomfortable moments when you've got that support, because that's the time to then reflect and talk about it. And then in the future, it might crop up again, but you've already got those tools to be able to say, I did this before, I know how I can manage it now. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's the thing about like having these tools in your arsenal for you to use them when you need yeah and to just trust that you've got them there to trust mm-hmm. they'll actually work yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. well Hannah it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you um you. I've so loved listening about mind plus motion um I think it sounds absolutely fantastic if people are wanting to learn more about you or mind plus motion where can they find out more so the website is mindplusmotion.com and it is a six-week um pro I hate using the program but I can't think of another one it's basically a six week worth of sessions with me let's call it that 
So they're filmed in real time. So if I fall over and wobble and make the mis- like make mistakes, we've kept it all in. So it's actually properly in real time. It's a very safe space. There's about three to four sessions per week, depending on what you want to do. They include a bit of strength, a bit of recovery, a bit of mindfulness. Um, and they are available on demand. And once you've paid for them once, you can have them forever. It's $29.99. And then you've got it forever and ever and ever. You can access it as many times as you like. Um, it's mindplusmotion.com and mindplusmotion on Instagram. And then I am Hannah Lewin underscore on Instagram, I think. <laughs> How good I am on Instagram. <laughs> if you're not, then I shall put a different one on in the much. show notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, Hannah. It's been lovely to speak to you. pleasure. So good to speak to you, Hannah. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode. So be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.